Have, have you ever been somebody's favorite? <laughs> Not likely, says George. There, there. There, there. <laughs> he says, not likely. How about somebody's anti-favorite, their nemesis? Have you ever been somebody's nemesis, George? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he says yes to that. But have you ever been anybody? So as we're starting into this section of Genesis where we're, we're moving, pivoting from the Tower of Babel into, into the Abram story, Abraham story, What's, what's going on is Genesis, so the first section is mostly about why is the world this way? So if you ask a question, why do things go wrong? Why doesn't everything work right in the world? The story of Adam and Eve comes in. Why doesn't everything work right? Because we're involved. <laughs> Because we make wrong choices, right? But we, and it turns out that without um, the Lord inside of us helping us, it's almost not possible to only make right choices. We make lots of wrong choices. And so things don't work right. Why are the animals afraid of us? Noah's Ark, right? He's going to put the fear of, right? So why are there so many languages and countries and things like that? Tower of Babel. Right, So the story is about the shape of the world we live in. But one of the things I want to make sure that we start to do now is to understand that God, because God's gotten sort of a, the Old Testament God has gotten sort of this name of judgment in the world that he's always judging and he's doing these things. And what I want to start to show and talk about as we move forward is how the project is really that things have gone off the rails and God moves to keep the human project going. So in other words, things go so bad and he comes in and acts so that we can continue. I want to say that. There's, there's, there's some other stuff in here that, that as I start to read, we're going to, and, and I just realized that, uh, Karen just said that sometimes I switch the scriptures around and it messes her up, which probably means it messes some of you up too, if you're using that. And it sort of messes me up too, a little, but I'm okay. Um, we're going to be from 1127 to 129 this morning, not the whole chapter of 12, but we're going to go into another Toledot section. This is, remember, I, I said Genesis is sort of divided up into Toledotes, and a Toledot is this thing. This is the account of Terah's family. This is the count of the generations of, and there's 12 of them in Genesis, and we're just moving into another one right now. Now, I also want you to recognize that that. Genesis has a way of describing what's going on. And it's not always from the oldest son to the youngest son and something like that. But as we move into the next, the next Toledot will be the sons of Ishmael. And then the next one will be the sons of Isaac. And so it's going to follow the families of the world. And then it's going to talk to you about the family, the chosen family. 
in a way. And I want to make sure that when you hear me say the chosen family, we're not saying in a human way God's playing favorites because he's actually tracking the whole world and trying to keep the whole project online and working. But he's going to track the other children too. By the way, if you've ever been somebody's favorite, and the human way of doing that is is that this is my favorite and the other ones can go fly a kite, that's not God's way. That's the human way. So what I want to say is he's going to be at work in the line of Abram, because we're going to be in this line, and he's going to say this, and I'm going to read it. I just want you to know. But he's at work in Abraham not just to play favorites, but to keep the human project online, to find a way to solve why doesn't everything go right in the world. So that's the solution. Here we are, 1127. This is the account of Terah's family. Terah was the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran was the father of Lot. But Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans, or what is now modern, or was probably at the writing of this modern Babylonia, but Babylon. Meanwhile, uh, let's see, died in Ur of the Chaldeans in the land of his birth while his father Terah was still living. Meanwhile, Abram and Nahor both married. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. Milcah and her sister Iscah were daughters of Nahor, brother of Haran. But Sarai was unable to become pregnant and had no children. Now, what I want to start to talk to you about is that, that there's some thought of, and, and talk about when you're, you're going to run into it if you study Genesis. There's when did Genesis get written down? It's one of those questions that the commentaries feel really necessary to talk about. I don't know. Let me just say that. I don't know. But what I do know is that if this were only a 7th century BC story, as some would say, that somebody sat down after the Babylonian captivity and wrote this stuff down, they would not likely have made their progenitors their book of the upright to do things that were distasteful in that generation, like marry their sisters. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? So um, the, the law hadn't come in to say, don't marry your sister or your half-sister or anything like that yet. But if you were writing this 17, 12 centuries later, you probably wouldn't have said, Abraham's our father, and by the way, he married his sister. Do you understand what I'm saying? So there's touches here of a very old story, and we're going to get into some of those touches as we come into the Genesis story. One of those things that's going to happen throughout the book is something that, that uh, Bible scholars call a hapax legomenon. Hold on to your seat. Where's Bev? Where's Bev? When you do Christmas children's things and you grab an item off the tree, you call that a chrysomon, right? So what that means is it's a little symbol that's unique in its way and it says something. A hapax legomenon uh, 
is a word that, a, that appears once. And, and it never appears again. And so there's, there's words like that throughout the Bible that they, ha- they don't show up in the culture. They don't show up in any other writings. They're in this one spot. And when you run into them in the Bible, I'm, I'm going to tell you one of them. It's, the most, it's one of the most famous. Um, it's, it's, well, famous in scholarship, which probably means none of you have ever heard about this sort of thing. But um, when Jacob, we're going to get to the story, and you've all heard of Jacob's Ladder. We sung the song and all that stuff. But if you were to line seven translations up about Jacob's Ladder, some of them say stairway, some of them say something else, some, and they're struggling to figure out whether it's a ladder or not because the word that's used there never appears anywhere else. And there's no other word in Hebrew that means what that is. And so what they're doing is they're borrowing from from other languages like Ugaritic and things like that that are the base languages that Hebrews came from, other Semite tongues and things like that, say, we think it means this is our best guess. And so the very fact that those things are in here also means they're part of the story that they've been telling their families for generations. So even if it was written a thousand years after it happened, oral culture has maintained some of those old, old details. Just want you to hear that. By the way, Ur the Chaldeans, and then the route he's going to take is the main route of migration from Chaldea into Israel. And I just want you to know that it is the standard route of the Second Bronze Age, early second millennium BC. They're going to give you some names, and I just want you to know that's the way that they came. So this is a very old story. There's really only one way to travel from the north into Israel, and that's through Syria. And so here it comes. One day, Terah took his son Abram, his daughter-in-law Sarai, his son Abram's wife, and his grandson Lot, his son Haran's child, and moved away from Ur the Chaldeans, and he was headed for the land of Canaan, migrating. That's what that is. But he stopped at Haran along the way and settled there. So you know how this happens in the tale of the American West, that people set out for Oregon, and their wagon broke, and they settled. Or something like that. That did happen. In, in the, one of the farmers I used to drive harvest truck for said that the, the family mule died a day early to be in better land. That if he got just a little bit further, they'd been in richer soil. But the mule died, and so that's where they were. He got to Haran and settled there. Terah lived for 205 years and died while still in Haran. The Lord said then to Abram, and by the way, he's going to get a name change. And the name change is going to have part of another word in it that no longer exists in Hebrew. We don't even know exactly what it means. It's just one of those things of a very old story. Do you know what I mean by, by language changing over years? You know, it wasn't so long ago that cool and rad were the same thing. 
But if I said rad to the kids in the middle school group, they go, dude, you are so old. <laughs> they would literally do that because now they would say that's fire. <laughs> right? Because language changes, words drop out and things like that. That is so fire. <laughs> Maybe I'm even older than that. Maybe that's last week's term. <laughs> that's from your, well, they're still using it. <laughs> yeah, I must have brought back, right? Just like bell bottoms. <laughs> may it may it never be. May it never be. <laughs> it already is. <laughs> the Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family and go to the land I will show you and I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. In other words... Not what happened in the Tower of Babel where they said, if we do this, we will make our own name for ourselves. This is God saying, I'm going to be the source of your reputation. It's quite a different thought, right? Do you remember that? I want to be known for the stuff I've done. I want to be known for the stuff God's done. Right? It's quite a different story. I've been through this in my own life. Some of you will know that I was in a 13-year argument with my dad that he didn't even know was going on. <laughs> right? You know what I mean by that? When, when you're a teen and you're trying to figure out who you're going to be and you're standing in somebody's shadow and you can't get out of the shadow and everywhere you go, you're in that shadow and everybody knows your dad or your mom or, or has an opinion about you because of somebody else. I know exactly what this is like because I got to talk to my dad about that once. I realized when I was running a business in the Tri-Cities after my dad had been running a business there for 35 years that almost everybody there had some form of opinion about him. And I would walk into businesses that he had interacted with on some level like this and they would say something like this, well, this was Bill's kid, he's going to be okay. but I didn't want his reputation. <laughs> do, do you understand? I wanted my reputation. But what happens if the shadow you're standing in is just unbelievably good? What if the Lord's reputation was the, was the shadow you were standing in and he made your name great because of your association with him? This is what's going to go on in the Abraham story because frankly, He's exactly like everybody else, just on a migration, just going someplace, not unusual in any way, except that they're old and they've got no kids, which means no future. And you might say to yourself, but wait, he was special. Yes, because he obeyed God. Not because he had 17 perfect character traits. And one of the things you're going to see, one of the things I love with a wry smile is how we talk about having a, a family shaped like a Bible family. We're about to go into a Bible family and see what a Bible family is shaped of. And you're going to see some of the weirdest, strangest behaviors you've ever seen. And God working in spite of it or through it or because of it. I just need you to be prepped for when we launch into this family because they're messed up. 
not Abraham so much yet, but soon. Soon. I will make you famous and I will, and, and let's see, I will, let's see, I will bless those who bless you. You will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. This is a four, this is four sort of rings of blessing. This is, I'm going to make, I'm going to bless you and you're going to be known. I'm going to use you as a blessing to those around you. They're going to be blessed because you're just there. And then the people around you or the people that know you are either going to be blessed by you or they're going to, the way they treat you, they will, do you see this interior, I'm going to bless you, says the Lord. I'm going to bless others through you. The way they treat you will be a source of blessing or cursing to them. And the whole world is going to be changed because of you. I want to say this one thing, and this is one of my favorite things to say to people. Did you know that Jesus loves you? Did you know that? Say, yes, we know Jesus. Right, we sing that song every week. It's such a big deal. We sing that song, Jesus loves me, this I know, where the Bible tells me so. Jesus loves you, and his love is for you. It's also on its way to somebody else through you. So it is for you. So if you come to me and, you're, and you've got this full cup and you've, you've been praying for God to bless you, but you're not pouring the blessing out, you know, God's sitting there going, yeah, I'm kind of waiting for you to empty the cup. Use it. Pour that love into your neighbors, into the people you interact with, and I'm going to refill the cup because that's from me. But if you just store it, if it's just a storage vessel... Right? It's just a cistern on the edge of your property. You just keep full. You don't need to be praying for more blessing on that. He's already given you blessing. You're just not using it. It's not the same. Right? Do you understand? But he's going to do this. I'm going to bless you. So Abraham departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he left Haran, and he took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people he had taken into his household at Haran, and headed for Canaan. And when they arrived in Canaan, Abraham traveled through the land as far as Shechem, and there he set up camp beside, okay, Probably the great tree of Mora, probably not an oak. There's no way to do specific flora and fauna from this old language stuff. I'm sorry. Probably not that. Just the great tree of Mora at the time, and the area was inhabited by the Canaanites. Shocking. He got to Canaan, and the Canaanites were there. Shocking. (laughs) Shocking. And then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give you this land to your descendants. And Abraham built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord who appeared to him. And and after that, he traveled south and set up camp in the hill country with Bethel to the west, Ai to the east. And there he built another altar and dedicated it to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord. And Abraham continued traveling south by stages toward the Negev. So I want to say this thing that God said he's going to take you to a land he's going to give you, and then he gets there, and then he starts building altars, which, by the way, later generations found detestable. 
But I want to make sure that you understand that the, the Hebrew name of this book is the book of the upright. It's not Genesis to them. It's the book of the upright. But they didn't start out upright. They became upright. I just need you to hear that over and over. Did you start out upright? Did you start out perfect in the name of the Lord? You just came in bopping into life with no errors whatsoever, with perfect reputation. You were the favorite of the universe. You were? Wow. Because <laughs> I was not. I actually said this to somebody the other day. He was talking about the retreat I just worked, which was a walk to Emmaus. And he goes, wow, you seem energized and all this time. You went to sleep on the, ch- on the floor of a church for four days and you came back with energy. How did that happen? And, and I looked at him and I said, the Dave you know is not possible without the experience of the walk to Emmaus. And let me just tell you this, just straight up. So some of you know some of my family history. My parents went on the original outreach in eastern Washington, and the, and, and the meetings that ran those retreats were at my house when I was a kid. And I knew all the players and all this stuff. And when my parents came to ask Karen and I if we wanted to go on one, I said, nope, don't need it, know everything about it. <laughs> And I knew a lot of details. I knew things that are the hidden things that they don't tell you. (laughs) The surprises. I knew all those surprises. But I went because my wife said, I want to go, and you have to go, so you're going. (laughs) I'm not making that up. That's about exactly how that transaction went. And I came home. And if I ask you, I didn't tell, tell you, Karen, that I was going to do this today, but when I came home, you looked at me, we said a couple of words, and we went for a f- two-hour walk. She goes, you're different. And the Lord had worked in my life in a way, not with the details that I already knew about, but in the midst of those details, the Lord had showed up and changed me. What I'm telling you is, that if the Lord doesn't show up, we're just like everyone else. Abraham is just like every other migrant from Ur of the Chaldeans coming into Canaan. And there were so many of them in the second, early second millennium that they went straight down into Egypt because of what happens next in this thing about famine and things like this. That Did you know that Egypt set up forts along its border to keep people from coming in. And to say it, they built a wall. It wasn't really a wall, it was just a series of forts. But there was so many, so much immigration through Canaan into Egypt because Egypt is the breadbasket of the ancient world. The famines don't hit there the same way. And so everybody went there. And the Egyptians were going, we're being overrun. Abram, just like everyone else, except for one thing, the Lord showed up. The Lord showed up. Dave, Dave McHugh, just like 
every other atheist art graduate until the Lord showed up. That's me. Is there a spot in your life where you're, you're, if you could look back just honestly, this side of the Lord showing up and going, I was just exactly like that, except the Lord showed up. If there's a moment like that, I would love to hear about it. You can set up, we'll meet, we'll do coffee, not just at Al's on Thursday. We'll set it up specific at some other time so I can just hear that story because I want to hear stories of the Lord showing up just like we should all hear. And if you've got a story where the Lord showed up, then you know what it is to raise your Ebenezer, as the old song would say, here I raise my Ebenezer. Linda, what song is that? Do you know? It's a hymn in our book. There you go. Have fun finding it. (laughs) Here I raise my Ebenezer. It's a memory stone. It's a spot that says, I've been here and this happened and I will not be the same again. Abraham's story is going to have this. He travels the whole length of Israel. That's what this is about. Shechem, Bethel, Ai, and the Negev. That's the whole land. He's seen the whole land that God has said he's going to give to his descendants. He's traveled from north to south, and he's been changed. Now, the the depth of the change is going to come in segments as we go through the story. The one thing I want you to hear today, well, the two things. Just like anybody else, unless the Lord shows up. And yes, Jesus loves you. And his love's for you, but it's also on the way to somebody else through you. And we should be living that way. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, this morning as we we move into the Abram story, he doesn't have his new identity yet. He's just starting to change. Help us look into our own lives and see that change and the process and all of those things and help us know that our reputation that standing in our reputation isn't anything like standing in yours. That we would be just like the world unless you show up. And so we ask you to show up, Lord. In your precious name we pray, amen. Amen.